0: Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Fabulous Pelton Cast. I'm your co-host, Kevin Pelton.
1: And I'm Tristan Carcino.
0: And I'm coming to you from Seattle, Washington, home of the 2022 playoff bound card seattle mariners who have finally ended the longest playoff drought in major american pro sports and to help us get hyped about it there was only one person that we could bring in Mickey is return to the podcast for the first time in, in way too long from the tasteful profanity podcast producer of the cigar thoughts podcast please welcome back to the pod mike barwin
2: What's up, guys? I'm happy to be here. Happy to be back. It has been way too long since I've seen your beautiful faces. How are you doing?
1: (laughs) Mike, we're doing amazing. We've been chatting. We've been circling this podcast for a long time. We had to wait for the hype to reach a certain point. We couldn't do it too early. The summer was fine. It was exciting. There was still an unknown. But the second the Mariners clinched the playoffs... We said, who do we need to come on this podcast? Who do we need to
2: scream into a microphone for 45 minutes? There you go.
1: He does not remember playoff baseball.
2: (laughs) Have no recollection of 2001. I literally do not know. I saw, oh my God. I saw one of those like um, MLB graphics that had, you know, the final six. And it had the Mariners as playoff bound. And it was like this, like, I felt like I got hit by a case of vertigo. It was just like, holy shit. Is this like a real thing that exists? It's just a mind blowing, uh, a mind blowing event. I just, it, it's, it, it's beyond compare. I can't believe it.
0: I mean, I think we need to get used to it because the Mariners have literally never not made the playoffs after Sue Bird retired.
2: That's true. That's We're true. 100%. That is excellent. Yeah. I mean, causation
1: correlation. I mean, let's throw it all out the window. It's
2: one-to-one it's linear, baby.
0: But okay, we got to talk about how the Mariners got here.
1: Well, I, I just want to ask one more question in the larger sense of things. Mike, sure, sure. for you, you were born the first time the Mariners went to the playoffs. I was. You don't remember the last time the Mariners went to the playoffs. <laughs> you will remember this time the Mariners go to the playoffs. De- you de- depends on how much you drink during it.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's the variable that we can't
1: really account for yet. I, I, I don't even know if you knew that there could be playoff baseball, if you knew that baseball happened once the regular season was over. But uh, – what is what is the excitement level for you to see these games? It's not it's not a one-game series, right? It is at least three games. Well, I guess at least two games of playoff baseball that you're going to see the Seattle Mariners. Tickets went on sale last week. Did you consider it? Oh,
2: I, I absolutely consider it. I haven't pulled the trigger yet. But um, in terms of, like, how I'm feeling about it, it's, like, obviously very, very exciting. I'm still processing. I don't think the terror has quite hit me yet because – this is like the first time that I've—I mean, you know, like 2016. There have been a couple of times last year that they came within a game or two of making the postseason, but this is the first time that the stakes are like really, really real because the Mariners have a team that you know checks a lot of boxes. Like they're a wild card team, obviously, but you know their odds are higher than uh, the Guardians, I think, to win the World Series, even though they're uh, they're going to host a series in the wild card round, so. I, i'm like kind of preparing myself to get blindsided by um stress unlike anything i've ever felt in my life watching sports
0: i mean obviously we haven't had playoff hockey here in seattle ever so right. those are like the two things that are the most stressful playoff sports i experiences so yeah i you haven't really dealt with either of those with the seattle team
2: yeah, I can't watch uh professional hockey um for more than 5 minutes at a time just because of exactly what you said. It's just like cracked out soccer um on like 1.5 speed. It's just terrifying. So, yeah, I'm uh I need to, you know, go through my my mental rolodex to make sure that I'm fully prepared for what is about to unfold next weekend.
0: Well, we got a little taste of it over the weekend because yes even though Tristan called it on last week's podcast, even though fan Grouse was sitting at a hundred percent for the Seattle Mariners, they still had to make it official and you didn't want to do it with the Baltimore Orioles losing to the Yankees. What, what fun would that have been to just like, you know, okay. Everyone applauds in the stadium during the middle of the game as the Mariners try to win. Clap. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Yeah. I'm no. totally with you. No. Instead, what you did is to take it to the bottom of the ninth in a 1-1 tied game and bring to the plate is a pinch hitter the man affectionately known as Big Dumper and the rest is truly history now
2: it is it is i was uh i was watching the game with somebody who has no idea about the mariners you know not not from seattle not a fan um, they were a good sport dealing with my <laughs> convulsions throughout the game. Right. But uh, I was trying to explain uh, Luis Terence to this person and why, why <laughs> how Luis how to Terrenz... talk to
0: your children about exactly, Luis Terence.
2: Exactly. Exactly. I was like, I mean, I'll just be blunt about it. I was like, This guy sucks, but also he's come through huge in multiple moments. So maybe he doesn't suck. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but he's batting sixth. So I'm wondering maybe if, you know, saving that uh, pinch hit spot for Big Cal later in the game in a high leverage spot.
1: And what do you know? I will give it up to Luis Terence also as having the game-winning hit against the Yankees in the previous most exciting game of the season, then getting DFA'd the next day.
2: Yes, <laughs> yes. And he also had the game-tying single the night before all of this happened.
1: <laughs> Luis Terence has been through some things this year. But oh, yeah. I, I think, like you mentioned, that is that to me is the most exciting aspect of the season is none of it has been expected, right? But also... How you get to know these individual players, and I think it's a thing that I'd forgotten about with a baseball team that you actually liked, was you look back, and I remember the 90s, it was just like, Alex Diaz, that is the dude. Kevin had Rich Amaral, right? And you had these players where you're like, that's my guy. I never had a guy for the last 20 years, right? Where it's just like, oh, yeah, this player would pop up. I'd be like, oh, Justin Smoke, he seems interesting. And then it's like, oh, I loathe this person yes. after a little while or yep. whatever but now this year you've got your guys all of a sudden right and i think that's what's so exciting about this playoff run is it's like you have hagerty right he's like kind of everybody's guy or whatever but the big dumper coming through Cal Raleigh, who's actually having kind of a monster season what home run was that for him like 26
2: 20? that 26? set the record for the mariners that broke mike zanino's record for most uh home runs in a season by a mariner
1: at no point this season, especially early in the season, would you have said to yourself, Cal Raleigh is going to have 26 home runs and hit the homer, and you, he was up at the plate, and it was just like, he might do this. Every single batter is just like, because they went through his Ayuhenio, Santana, and then Rally, right? And you're like, I think he's going to hit a jack to send the team to the playoffs. But that is something that we have not felt for so long, and the way that you see, like, Carlos Santana come up, and you're like, yeah, he's going to do it. Like the, the nervousness that you feel when you're a baseball fan has gone because of some of these players, but then the relationship that you have to them. And the other piece is knowing that it is hopefully going to extend beyond this, which is this is like 2000, I always forget the year, 2011, Seattle Seahawks territory. Sure. Where it's like, look, who knows what's going to happen this year? Dare I say, Team of Destiny? But. You look at the at the future, and you're saying to yourself, "Look, let's try to win right now. Let's have it be on our schedule this moment." But are you, but- are, you are
0: you thinking the 2012 Seattle Seahawks Russell Wilson's rookie I guess, season?
1: Yeah, the 12 Seahawks and the, the 1 and 13. The
0: game that's always forgotten when the Legion of Boom talks about Russell Wilson's era. <laughs> uh,
1: Matt Ryan roasting them. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's what I to. Look, this is a Geno pod now. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I'm glad that you brought up the Seahawks because what you were just saying about how, you know, it always you had that sense of impending dread about the Mariners for the last X number of years. And now it feels like, you know, they're going to they're going to make that big swing. You know, they're going to get that crucial out. It was it's not to that degree. But I've had this conversation before where in peak Legion of Boom years Anytime a quarterback had hit like, you know, a nine step drop or something and then just like let a ball fly down the field past where the camera frame uh, showed, it was like, all right, it's a a PBU or a pick. It's like automatic, right? You just expected it. You knew it. And it's not to that degree. Like I said, but we're kind of inching toward that point, right? Because it's felt like they're in so many of these high leverage moments and so many of these huge divisional games, you know, like Julio is hit, you know, like, multi-run home runs in the ninth to seal games against the Astros and the angels and Cal's ripping dongs left and right. It's just like, you just, you expect it of these guys. And the fact that uh, Cal is like the third most impressive de facto rookie on this Mariners team is just bananas.
0: I want to talk about my experience real quick. So I was at the Clippers preseason game at climate pledge arena. They were taking uh, on uh Maccabi Ronana and, and it was not an enormous crowd as compared to what will what we'll be there to, uh, on Monday night when the Clippers and Blazers face off in the first preseason game at Climate Pledge Arena between two NBA teams. But, you know, a couple of minutes left in the game, I'm streaming. The Mariners obviously have moved over from UW football after they fell too far behind. And there's a cheer in, that starts breaking out in the club level on the opposite side of the arena. And I I, I didn't piece it together. Right away, because I didn't remember the times where like I've been at an NCAA tournament game and some people have TVs and they're ahead of uh, those of us who are streaming and they start reacting like I'm used to that uh, in March Madness, but I didn't put it together. But then I heard it from the other club section and then only finally then did we see on the screen Cal Raleigh going down and knocking that ball out of the ballpark. And it was, I have never seen a sporty event so thoroughly overshadowed by another one. Uh, the the only thing that comes close is we've talked about, I was at the UW basketball, men's basketball game during the beast quake. And that was fascinating because no one had TVs. You're in a, in, in heckhead, but everyone's stream was a little bit apart. So you'd hear like these pockets of people cheering, but then they finally flash it up on the video boards and just, Entire arena erupts, like it was so much more important than the sporty event we were actually all at.
2: You just head straight to the concourse, like the o j trace uh like at like m s g in the nineties <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah that might be the, the one that comes close in terms of a sporty event getting overshadowed, but then it wasn't just the home run, it was the celebration afterwards uh. Numerous people, members of the media who were in town to cover the Clippers remarked on, wait, did they win the championship or just go to the playoffs? <laughs> but when you haven't been in the playoffs in 21 years, granted that obviously those players haven't been here the entire time. I think a celebration like that is warranted.
2: Oh, yeah. You know that they felt the weight and everybody read Mitch Hanager's, uh Players' Tribune piece, like we're going to end the fucking drought or whatever he said. Like, he called his shot, shouts to Mitch. Um it's just, it's so weird. I mean, we, you could say this a million times over and it won't, it won't fade in it's truth. But seeing the Mariners put together a competent, well, uh, well partitioned, um, well constructed team is just so different just so different like the process in building the roster is so cool and seeing like you said like you said Tristan like uh Sam Haggerty Dylan Moore Luis Terence, all of these uh all these utility guys you know who in the past are just you know uh, space eaters in the lineup and nothing more making actual contributions in huge huge moments it's it's very different i'm not complaining i i, I won't complain but
0: Tristan always brings up Alex Diaz, but you got to reference Doug Strange hitting the game-winning oh, yeah. home run after he had the game-tying pinch hit single on the night of the election for what became T-Mobile Park, which actually failed, but subsequently was passed <laughs> by the legislature after the playoff run. So, yeah, I mean, seasons like this don't happen with mom- without moments like that and unexpected stars like that. So
2: bo- for both of you guys, what do you think – Obviously, Friday night was just the most monumental win in recent franchise history. You know, one of one of the great wins ever in Mariners history. Outside of that, outside of this, like, you know, moment that ends the drought, what was your favorite moment or two? You know, I'm not I'm not uh, constricting this to just one moment, but what were your favorite moments of the season up to this point?
0: I mean, Tristan referenced the Yankees game, the 13 inning Yankees game. That was it. Felt like a playoff game in every sense. the The Yankees are just such an awesome like rival to go against in in every sense. So that that has to be at the top of my list. Besides, wasn't that Friday.
1: Castillo's first start in Seattle? Also, sounds
0: right. I think right. That
1: was yeah. There's that. There was Julio hitting the Jack on the Fourth of July, right? And you were there, right, in San yeah. Diego. Yeah. That monster homer. The home run derby having julio in that moment taking the electric streak electric to the home run derby it was just like this the mariners are never gonna lose again and julio rodriguez is the greatest player on the face of the earth that yep. one the the game a couple weeks ago where they go down in the top of the ninth come back and hit two jacks to win like against the
2: braves against maybe one of the best teams in in, in the league yeah.
0: I, I was i was talking to my old editor who uh is a braves fan and was watching that game uh, from the other side, and he was like, yeah, that was basically the most satisfying sports experience you could possibly have for Mariners fans.
2: Oh, totally. One of the uh, one of the other games that I look back on really fondly was, I met up with um, fellow father John Fraley, a couple months ago, and uh, the Mariners were playing, I think they were playing the Rangers, and it was a similar sort of thing, where they gave up a run in the top of the ninth, and John and I were watching, and we were just like, Eh, you know maybe they'll come back because of course they will and then of course they came back i think cal hit like a crazy like double into the uh, right center gap and uh i don't i don't remember the every um every bit of what went into it but yeah it was it was that inevitability right it was like oh yeah this is different they will come through and it's just been like that the whole year
1: Well, i think this is the perfect way for the streak to have ended right it wasn't like I mean I think about the Buffalo Bills, right? With Tyrod took took them to the playoffs. It was like, yeah, Justin Tyrod- Nathan Peterman. <laughs> in no. the Nathan no. Peterman
0: season. You will not shout out Nathan Peterman on this podcast. <laughs>
1: Tyrod took them to the playoffs. They sort of limped in. It was like they had one game, they knew they were going to lose. And that's exactly what ended up happening. Obviously the Bills were building something for the long term there, but it wasn't necessarily exactly that that nucleus or whatever. Having it be a team where you can look at it and be like, honestly, if last year's team would have made it, it would have been a little bit too soon. We would have said, this doesn't feel quite right. Like, the run differential was negative 70 or something like that. Run differential, though. The Mariners are a legitimate good team, and they got in in an exciting circumstance, and you feel like damage can be done in the playoffs. And that, to me, is what, like, we're approaching these games not, like, for me, when I'm buying playoff tickets, it's not like, well, I hope that this series happens there's a little bit of that but it's kind of like okay yeah we're going to game two of the ALDS. like this is fucking going down right now
0: yeah I'm not sure I'm quite there with you on that one that sounds like the same mindset that uh that the Huskies were to smash UCLA on Friday night a little bit to me but (laughs) I I agree that if they gave us one more quarter one more quarter and in the 2015 game versus Carolina same thing yeah totally oh
1: my god (laughs) I was looking through your timeline so distraught about that
2: game
0: the Tyler Lockett catch
2: that's my favorite catch that he's ever had in his career. I mean, he had some monster grabs his rookie year. Anyways, anyways.
0: To me, it's the Thursday night football game. Though. That, yeah, that, that catch was... that was in a literal NFL commercial.
2: I was in, not not to interject for too long, but I was in SeaTac going through security on that final drive for the Rams before Greg Zerline kicked that field goal. And I had to like put my phone in my bag to go through oh, wow. at, in that drive. And I picked my phone back up out of the bag and like turn the stream back on right as they were setting up for the field goals. So, I'm just like screaming in front of like the Anthonys or whatever at SeaTac when they missed that field goal.
0: A, Fred and I would have been an interesting time to be at SeaTac. I mean, that that's the other part of it that we haven't really touched on. It was just like such a community moment. And I'm sure there's a lot of people like us who you were either very casual about the Mariners for a lot of these 21 years or, you know, actively not paying attention <laughs> to them, not caring. But it's impossible not to get swept up in what's going on. And the one thing I will say, like, I, I'm not anti, I don't think you should be like gatekeeping bandwidth, people jumping on the bandwagon. Obviously, in this case, <laughs> we're the ones jumping on the bandwagon <laughs> without question. But there is an element where, like, it's not quite the same if you haven't suffered through all of the bad seasons in the way that diehard Mariners fans did for year after year. And God bless you people. And I hope you're enjoying you enjoyed every second Mike of this. And other
1: Die Hard Mariners fans.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I've, I've been asked the question, you know, like what championship would be like the most violently emotional. And I think, I mean, it's obviously the Mariners, like by far and away, the Mariners. And I think maybe even before, I don't want to lessen the Seahawks winning a Super Bowl, but I just think that like, you just can't say the Mariners have been horrible my entire lifetime, you know? And like, I'd, I'd seen the Seahawks be good before. It's just different, you know? It's For just, sure. it's, yeah. it's visceral. It's weird.
0: I did want to touch on something you said, because you mentioned that this, the Mariners roster is built competently. And I thought that was very funny because it's a term that Zach Lowe has been using on the low post, including my appearance last week, to talk about what the Sacramento Kings need to do. And the Kings <laughs> now officially the title. have become the team with the longest playoff drought in all of pro sports. And I, I don't think I mentioned this when I was talking about the Kings, but it was something I was thinking about. The reason the Kings have this playoff drought is because of the playoff drought. Because they're constantly chasing the short-term fix to try to be the eighth seed and just make the playoffs one time and not have this drought. And what I think Mariners management, all the way up to ownership, deserves a lot of credit for is they did that for a long period of time, a very long period of time. And we can name a lot of bad moves that they made in pursuit of, of that, that, uh, you know, going all the way back to the uh, the uh, uh, Richie Sexton signing. Going all, all or back beyond that, even, but eventually, after twenty eighteen, once it became clear that that kind of run with the Nelson Cruz Robinson Cano group had had run its course, like they committed to rebuilding. And going about it the right way. And they got super lucky that there wasn't as much pain as it could have been because they weren't that bad in 2019. And then they only played 60 games in 2020. And then last year had fun differential. So we didn't have to go through it in the rebuild in the same way that a lot of teams, like Baltimore, for example, has. But it was building the sustainable group. That's led by a lot of fun young talent and also produce the farm system that allows you to go out and make a trade for someone like Luis Castillo because of the fact that you have a legit chance on the deadline. And I really think that, you know, that's the most important thing that's happened in the last 21 years is them committing to this rebuild after 2018.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and before, before I kind of continue along that vein, do you think that uh that Marco Gonzalez has already hit up Sabonis talking shit yet? <laughs>
0: I feel like it's that it's that's rubbing it in a little too much.
2: I don't know, man. You got a stunt. It's been 21 years. You really got to lean into it. (laughs) But um, yeah, I I I think like Cal Raleigh. You know, um, we've talked about uh, Julio. It speaks for himself. But like the pitching, like George Kirby quietly being a legitimate potential ace is monstrous. And Logan Gilbert being some, like just as impressive, you know. He, he, he we
0: talked about him going eight innings on Friday. He went
2: eight innings. It was the longest outing of his career and he was nails. It's yeah, it's beyond belief.
0: Yeah, I mean I so I think that's the thing. You sort of have to embrace the streak a little bit. Embrace the drought as opposed to trying to run from the drought. And I I do think the watching the celebration in the, in the clubhouse, like obviously there's an emotional moment for the players, but Scott Service in particular He's been through it. He's been on the front lines day to day. He's been the one talking about fun differential. And it's cool to see him get the opportunity to see this through with ending the playoff drought because there's a lot of managers who take over coaches in situations like that who don't get to see it through.
2: Oh, he he had his uh celebratory dad moment for sure. I mean, the <laughs> you you heard years and years of pain and and turmoil in that voice crack on let's party. Like it was, <laughs> It was great. I don't know. Like on all the all the videos in the locker room seeing Matt Boyd's reaction. Oh my God.
0: Someone else who knows how it feels. Yeah, I mean, the actually the most remarkable thing of the weekend was not that the Mariners ended a 21-year 21-year playoff drought. It's that they won on Saturday in a day game after that celebration on Friday night. I mean, they were, you know, fans were still in the stadium at easily an hour after that game, right?
2: Yeah. No, it's the fact that they were able to muster any sort of motivation and fight through the hangover that was surely present is maybe the most impressive, uh, maybe the most impressive moment of the season. (laughs) I think after, uh, you know, there was a road trip. I think they were heading to to Oakland after a huge win on the road and they had a day off or something. So I was like, all right, pencil in the loss uh, after the day off, you know, they're all going to be hung over from celebrating and it is what it is. You know, they're, they're well up in the wild card standings, but no, I mean, good for them. You had the uh, Haggerty coming through Carlos Santana, all these guys. Um, I also wanted to touch on uh, what you guys were talking about. You know, we hadn't talked about Logan Gilbert, Let's talk about another one of the young guys, Matt Brash, ninth inning, you know, one, two, three.
0: Yeah, that was huge.
1: I mean, you look at the pitching in the playoffs and somebody's going to have to move to the bullpen here and they're going to have a lot of arms. Right. Like when you look at it and if you're saying that it's Ray, Castillo, Kirby are going to be starting these games or what it's going to look like. There are going to be a lot of arms that are available to the Mariners, especially in a three-game series. And with the loss today and the Blue Jays winning, it's looking increasingly likely, I mean, it has to be almost certain at this point, that the Mariners are going to be the second wild card, which is a little bit nice because it's like it would have happened. They didn't need the rule changes, uh, but They they did
0: need the new offense and the new
1: defense. Playing a series against who secretly actually are a pretty huge rival of the Mariners, the Toronto Blue Jays, being so close to Canada. If there were a chance to get revenge against every single one of the fucking Canadians who (laughs) comes to see the Mariners play in Seattle, who have more fans than the Mariners have had for the last 20 years of these games, to be able to go into their house and take down the Blue Jays would be an incredible moment, especially with their former Cy Young winner on the other side of this game. This weekend cannot come soon enough. Again, with everything the way it's looking in, in the uh, standings, I feel like it's just like close-up shop for a second. Everybody rest, get healthy, get Julio back, get Cal Rally healthy, get Ayuhenio healthy, get this team ready to go, and then you just... You rely on chaos ball, you rely on the arms, and you go win two fucking games in Canada.
2: Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, we haven't talked about Eugenio uh, yet either, but I saw I saw a tweet earlier that said, you know, like the Mariners um, using win now moves such as trading for Luis Castillo and Eugenio Suarez. I was like, yes, <laughs> Suarez has finally become the headliner of the deal. Sorry, Jesse.
0: I mean, I definitely had that thought earlier this week when uh, you know the broadcast was talking about Suarez's season and his, uh, Aaron Goldsmith was talking about his weighted runs created as uh, compared to the past two seasons. And it was like, yeah, at the time it was like, oh, we have to t- eat Suarez's contract to get Jesse Waker in this trade. And now it seems very much the opposite, the way their two seasons have gone.
2: So, okay. So if the Mariners are playing in Baltimore, well, you had kind of said, you know, um, obviously Castillo and Ray are one, two. Who would you choose for the third starter? I think you said Kirby, but is that is that who
1: you would have chosen? Or would well, you go I'd, with Gilbert? I'd take Kirby, I think, at this point as the third playoff starter. I think I'd go Gilbert at this point. I think I would probably
2: go Gilbert just because, I don't know, you've seen it. I mean, you saw you, it the other night, and I mean, Kirby's been lose. amazing,
1: but. That's the thing, is you still have both these players. Both are good, and then you have one available in the bullpen also. It's such a great problem to have. Marco
0: Gonzalez, lefty reliever?
1: (laughs) Not going to be starting one of these games. Uh, But also for me, like our our last memory of playoff baseball, I mean, I wasn't there in 2001 in the playoffs, was in 1997, right? And we went to—you were there for this one, right, Kevin? Yeah. We went to one game against the Baltimore Orioles of all teams— And I was 12 years old at the time, right? So it has been a very, very long time. In 1995, I was 10 10 years old. So to be able to, in the year 2022, have a 10-year-old child and be like, we have playoff tickets if these games happen, and go see that atmosphere, like, it'll be the most important baseball game that's happened in Seattle since 2001. And it's really just, like, not even close, right? The energy and the atmosphere that's going to be happening at the ballpark I just can't even imagine what that experience is going to be like, uh, especially if it's the ALDS and there's even a chance of going to the ALCS or something like that. Like, just so excited for this moment and to be able to share it with somebody who hasn't been through the suffering for quite as long. Right. I have children who see the Mariners and they don't instantly think to themselves the Mariners suck. <laughs> <or> whatever.
2: <laughs> that's huge that's huge i think the most impressive thing that the mariners have managed to do this season is make the number 44 cool thanks to julio for that making any number in the 40s cool is is a huge accomplishment so good good for them
0: i'm sensing some mike cameron disrespect here
2: (laughs) i mean mike cameron's great that's great but you know he he was prone to bad number decision-making as well but i don't know, he made it cool too but like i said you know i don't have a whole lot of memories of the early 2000s because what year did mike cameron walk was it 2003
0: is somewhere in there 2003 2004 range i feel like
2: yeah because i i remember watching i think mike cameron's yeah, oh, last season but i was i was too young to really uh, formulate opinions
1: about things such about as this mike so cameron. yeah d- defensive range uh yeah okay well,
0: by, by the way, it appears we went to... We must have gone to game one of that series when Randy Johnson faced off against Mike Mussina and gave up five runs in five innings. A pretty shockingly poor performance by Randy I think Johnson, all lost. things considered. I remember them losing that game. They, well, they it's lost crazy. both games they played at home. So yeah. definitely they lost.
1: In a gnarly series. Okay, this weekend, Seattle Mariners playoff baseball. Before then, Mike, we can't let you go without talking about... The new Geno in town. Oh, it's been a great year for Genos in Seattle, hasn't it?
0: We're a two Geno town. There's <laughs> not right. a new Geno or an old Geno. There's just Genos.
2: Geno is timeless.
1: It's Geno Smith time in Seattle, dropping 48 points, matching, matching what Russell Wilson did. you correcting me on something?
0: Well I, just, well, I just wanted to know. Can we talk about his completion percentage?
1: We can talk, but matching exactly what russell wilson did to these exact same detroit lions no i
0: well okay i'm gonna correct you the seahawks scored 51 against the lions in january but that was not home if
1: jason meyer hadn't
2: missed that field goal then we'd be having a different conversation
1: uh this game i i really i feel like the seahawks season has been one of the most complicated seasons to be a fan of yes a lot of bars <laughs> the, the, the range of emotions that are existing here but i do think i i've settled on i'm trying to live in the moment i'm just going to extreme overreact to every single game so, so wait are you saying you're going seahawks hot takes not seahawks hot takes necessarily but it's the only way to interact with this team at this Is, point isn't that exactly
0: they, the explanation of what Meredith's hot takes were we before this season
1: no, I think the Mariners hot takes where we don't care about the team and need to have some sort of content. But I suppose. We don't know whether the team is good or not. We do not know. But what we do know is that Geno Smith is playing at least equally as well as Russell Wilson. And I'm, I am here. I am willing on this very podcast. I'm going to, as of week four of the 2022 22 NFL season, I'm taking an L on the perspective on the trade. I think the Seahawks kind of nailed it on this one. Russell Wilson being out there, would not have changed the defense, right? Russell Wilson's not going to play fucking safety. So if you have a quarterback who at the very least is going to play 110% of what Russell Wilson will give you, might as well get those four extra draft picks on top of it.
2: Maybe if Russ had been playing safety instead of Josh Jones, things would have looked a little different. (laughs) But um, (laughs) no, I'm I'm, I'm with you. I think uh, if the Seahawks season up to this point, would have gone exactly the same but with russ as their quarterback i guess week one would have been a little weird if that were the case (laughs) but um if if the events up to this moment now had been the exact same the stats exactly the same with russ and gino i think the vibes would be worse with russ just because of the record right the vibes would be worse with russ so you know gino is almost definitely not the quarterback of the future for the Seahawks. You know, maybe if he keeps playing this way, keeps putting together some victories we can have that conversation, but I'm I'm pretty confident that he's not this is a year strictly based on vibes. Jackson and I have had this conversation on Cigar Thought so many times. It's all about the vibes. The rookie class is gelling. Tariq Woolen, Pete Carroll finally found another late-round DB that could be a potential superstar. That was an incredible play. like Getting back in phase on a deep crosser and undercutting it for a pick six, he was jogging 4-3 into the end zone. Insane. The tackles, you, you haven't really noticed them side a penalty here or there. Boye, mafe uh eh, i don't know um but that's some good moments had, today exactly exactly you know a little bit more positive um than than bad uh and ken walker in his limited opportunities you know he's he's got a little wiggle he's got some um interesting wide based balance i like what i've seen so i don't know man it's been fun uh even the games that they've lost well the niners game was just kind of gross even, except for the block field goal um The vibes seem to be pretty good, which I wasn't sure was going to be sustainable after they beat the Broncos, because that was, as everybody knows, the greatest moment in Seahawks football over the last few years. So uh, it's uh, it's been fun to watch. And, you know, I'm uh, I'm ready for them to beat the shit out of Tom Brady in Germany. I'm calling it now. There you go. (laughs) There we go. We're
0: already skipping ahead to that's November, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're on to <laughs> we're on to Tampa. We're on to it's Tampa.
1: Twenty-one to well, three right now, Chiefs. Yeah, Tampa may be on to the Seahawks. Yeah, as that's well. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Tom Brady <laughs> might be on the Dolphins at that point.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Well, uh, I think this delivered all the hype we possibly could have expected and hoped for, just like the Mariners clinching the playoffs did.
2: That's right. You know they don't call me a uh, little dumper for nothing
0: on that note thanks so much for joining us mike
2: yeah thanks guys it's great to great to kick it with you
0: and thanks for listening